This is the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I'm Adam Gobb. Today on the show, Deputy County Auditor Hin Tran is here to talk to us about how internal controls saved his life. Now that sounds maybe a little bit exaggerated, but it's true. We're going to hear his story about how Hin was working for a bank in Apex right after he graduated college and how the training that he received kept him alive. We are here with Hen Tran, who started with Gaston County within the last nine months and is the one of two members for our audit department, which started in, what year was it, Hen? 2019. I think yeah. so. Kyle yeah. was hired right before I was, so. That's right, because when he started, immediately went into the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we got a great introduction to Gaston County. It was like, hey, welcome to local government. All hell broke loose. <laughs> And no one's ever uh, worked remote either, so then IT had to deal with that as well. Right, yeah. We we literally tried to break our IT department, which fortunately they didn't. They were uh, yeah. resilient and managed yeah. to make things work, which was nice. Yeah, that is nice. Um, and I'm surprised you didn't break either because that was, yeah. Look in at this it? face. I am broken inside. <laughs> there's, there's, there's very little going on in there. The hamster isn't running in the wheel anymore. <laughs> Um, so we've had internal audit for, for a few years, and it's brand new to Gaston County, and it's been a super valuable um, asset to the county. Y'all have done a lot most recently. So we just published the Minority Women and Small Business Enterprise Audit and Construction. So basically what we were doing was we went back and looked at all the construction contracts to see how compliant we were with the state statutes, which required like a 10% aspirational goal. Mm-hmm. So there was a good faith effort in us attempting to reach out to minority contractors, and this, you know, m- women, uh, black, Hispanic, Asian, mm-hmm. and even historically underutilized businesses too. Right. And have 10% of our, our revenues or our expenditures go to these companies. I want to say... So just 10% is, was the goal. And, and, but it's a good faith effort, meaning yeah. we reached out. Uh-huh. A lot of times, some of these firms, they weren't the lowest bidder. So no matter what, it's still got to be the lowest bidder, right. my, minority right. firm or not. So right. And then that's for us is to get more competition in, but also to expand it at these businesses who never been contacted by the county. And then from some of the research and even interviews we've done, some of these small businesses, they would purposely not list themselves as a minority business because they're worried about folks not selecting them. Oh. Interesting. So It should be the exact opposite. Right. They should list themselves because it might get them more business, you know. So annually when Kyle does his audit plan, he presents it to Dr. Eagle. Mm-hmm. And just like a list of things he's been doing a risk assessment on, seeing what the county needs and see where our time is best spent. Mm-hmm. And she put that minority audit at the top. At the top, okay. Because cool. we feel like that can be the most impactful for the county. Yeah. And a matter of fact, Thursday the 16th is our first MWBE meeting. Right. David Williams is running that. That meeting actually is going to get folks to, to even know what the program is about. Right. Mm-hmm. MWBE, Minority Women Business Enterprises, mm-hmm. how they can get certified with the state. And once you get on this list, you usually get an email blast every time a contract's out to do construction or goods and services mm-hmm. and whatnot. Because a lot of these primes, the, the prime contractors, they do want to reach out because it, it promotes more competition because you have some mom and pa shops can do it cheaper uh-huh. even, and do it even better. Well, government, I mean, contracts for a lot of different stuff. And so it's not just like, hey, we're looking for people that can do pavement for parking lot. I mean, we've got like 30 different departments. A lot of them need to contract with outside services. Don't think, oh, you know, I only do X as a business and like I would never qualify for, you know, a government contract sort of thing. So are the women and minority owned businesses given preference so they still have to be the lowest bidder right yep. but is there they're given preference to other businesses or no 
So the last one we saw, we just saw like a recent submission for bids. They had shown that they made a good faith effort to reach out to these minority firms. Okay. But this minority firm was like $100,000 more than the winning bid. Uh-huh. Mm. Still got to be the lowest bid. So, yeah, yep. so it's not about contracting specifically with women and minority businesses. It's about making sure you're reaching those people and letting them know there's opportunities for bidding for yep. services. Because a lot of folks don't even know that this is available. I mean, when you're a citizen, do you ever actually search Gaston County yeah. website? Hey, <laughs> the Gaston County website, which is going to go live on July 12th, the brand new website that's going to be a lot better than the one that is currently, is a great resource. Yes. Why wouldn't you not want to spend like hours of your day? I, I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> Honestly, I, can't do I do. I do. I really do look at our website for hours of the day. I do too. <laughs> I mean, it's it's what I think about when I get up in the morning. I'm like, have I checked our website today? Make sure it's not hacked. <laughs> right. Let me just let everybody know that you won an award for that audit also. That's right. So the reason why I didn't even think about it is because Alex Norman was the one practically wrote that entire audit yes, report. Yes, we stole her in the budget office, so yeah. she's not in audit anymore. <laughs> Under so Kyle's supervision. Yeah. It's really hard because they have other other peers that read it, and they want to see if it's you know impactful, right? if it's useful, and if, but not you can just read it. Our prior um, job at City Charlotte, our audit reports, before we made changes, it was like watching drop – yeah. It, was, Ooh. it was so bad. Yeah. It's one of those things that if you need a little light reading before bed, it'll put you out in five minutes. Yep. I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing we try to do in the budget office too, and that Adam does a lot of too, is just taking boring government communication and making it more fun, which is why we're right here, I guess, too. That's true. Yeah. I think that's just how society is now. We're all, yeah. everybody wants everything in bite size. Mm-hmm. So I think Alex did a fantastic job oh, yeah. on that audit report. Even just the one page, the call outs, mm-hmm. just graphics. Yes, let me reiterate, the second shop in North Carolina ever, ever, right? I think Durham, Durham. Durham? Durham, Oh, sorry, sorry, Durham. I did not mean to take the credit from Durham. But Durham (laughs) had it for, so they have a bigger shop. Right. And I don't know if they got number one. Like, y'all were number one. Yeah, for our size size shop. For your size shop. So it really was, like, outstanding, like, nationally outstanding, not just, like, locally. I I was shocked. Still shocked, actually. Yeah, because y'all never did that in Charlotte. I, mean, I think they did about maybe a dozen submissions yeah, in the, their 20, 25 year existence. Yeah. Well, we appreciate Charlotte for training you up. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, everybody's, I'm sure everybody's not tired of us re- referencing Charlotte yet. <laughs> it is the gateway to Gastonia. Yeah. I'm, that's what yeah. I ref- that's how I refer to it now. Yeah. So, uh, I'm uh-huh. from the gateway to Gastonia. Uh-huh. That's right. That's where I live. Yeah. So tell us about where you're from, who you are, um, your background, and how you ended up in Gaston County in the internal audit office. All right. So I'm a North Carolina native. You couldn't probably tell by my name. But I was born in Chapel Hill. My folks moved to Raleigh when I was two, so I, I consider Raleigh my hometown. Mm-hmm. Okay. Straight out of college, I worked at a bank for four years. I did insurance sales. I did tobacco sales out in eastern North Carolina. I covered uh, five counties out there for uh, oh. one of the largest tobacco firms. Basically, uh, that's where kind of my auditing came into it because I, I would go by the stores and sell my contracts to them, but then I had to go monthly and audit the stores mm-hmm. Okay. because they had federal compliances where they can advertise, you know, they stop advertising to kids. Mm-hmm. So where if you go to a gas station, you'll see it's all pretty condensed behind the counter. Yeah. Even the signage have certain regulations to it. So I did that. That's when my auditing kind of started. So let's get back to why we wanted to talk to you today. So okay. you, you're in internal audit and you have a story about how internal controls saved your life. And I think this is an important story to tell because people are a lot of times afraid of our internal audit department. They're nice guys, but... They're afraid of internal audit, period, because you think, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for something. But you're really here to... So basically what we try to explain to folks in the new employee, pres- um, our presentation on new employee orientation, 
we try to make sure that we're operating efficiently and effectively in compliance with all the rules and regulations of the state also, right? Mm-hmm. But what well, our job is to make sure we have internal controls to have everyone able to do their job. Mm-hmm. So we always go back to trust but verify. Mm. Um, you guys remember that TikTok with the kid who put um, the picture of Switzerland up? Yes. Says <laughs> yep. We use that now in our presentation. Oh, nice. It's a picture of this guy with this beautiful background. And I say, we're the Florida lady drove up here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we trust you're doing your jobs, but we've got to verify it. We trust well, you, got, you got the tools to do your job, but we have to verify it. And you, you guys know where Trust Verify came from, right? So back in like the Ronald Reagan era, I think it's a Russian proverb, Trust But Verify. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. When they were trying to like denuclearize each other, yep. they had to say, all right, I'll trust you're going to destroy your nukes, but I want to verify. So they watched each other destroy their nukes or missiles or whatever it was at the time. Right. I got to go back and look, but that's what it was. So that's kind of where it came from. And we adopted that with the auditing too. So, okay, so let's start the story now. So you're passionate about internal audit and have a story about how internal controls saved your life. And I have not heard this story, so I'm really excited about it. So, um, all right. Not, not the buildup has been too much. Huh? <laughs> oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. So it's, it's gotta be a really good story. <laughs> okay. We'll judge you after the story. Okay. <laughs> so like right after college, I got a job right away at the bank, um, as a teller supervisor, I was supervising four employees. I remember this date very well because it was November 1st, 2002. Was it a dark and stormy night? The night before was Halloween. Oh, so, you know, Chapel Hill. Spooky. Yeah. Yeah. So we went to Chapel, but this is the first year after 9-11. Okay. So I remember everything because I, you walk on Franklin Street. I'm like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. There's cops everywhere. Mm. All the props are taken. So it was like the most neutered celebration. Yeah. So then the next day I go to work, Friday. It's a Friday I go to work. Um, we have our, our lunchtime rush because everybody's cashing their checks. Mm-hmm. So then around 2 o'clock, it's just dead all of a sudden, completely dead. So I have two tellers next to me. I have a third teller as a drive through teller. And I'm a, so there's three of us on the front line, mm-hmm. teller drive through. So I sent the two tellers to, um, to lunch. We actually had another teller part time, but sure, he went home. Okay. All right. So now I'm, now I'm checking my drawer, trying to count down, make sure my, because people make big deposits, and if it's above my cash limit, mm-hmm. I have to go put in my vault. Got it. So while I'm going through my drawer, trying to catch up, Wendy, who's my drive through teller, she goes, Ian, that's a very suspicious looking man come across the parking lot. Ooh. So I was like, I, I had all my money. I had all my money out here, so I just didn't look up. Mm-hmm. Within two minutes, I look up, and I was, and I said, "I'm about to get robbed." <laughs> so this guy walks in. He has a big fake wig, fake fake Jamaica looking hat. Oh boy! Huge sunglasses. So all you can see at the bottom is his lips, and then gloves. So right there, I knew I was getting robbed. Right. The branch is empty, and, and it's never empty on a Friday. Yeah. Across from me is my manager in her office, door closed, doing a. A mortgage a loan closing. Okay. So basically, it was just me and this guy because Wendy took off. <laughs> <laughs> because two minutes ago, she said, Somebody looked suspicious. If I had, and you if, didn't respond. If I had looked up and saw it, I'd have yeah. been, I would have like, Yep, we're about to get robbed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or we didn't know he was coming our way, though. So then he walked straight to my, my counter. Our counter is about five feet tall. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's one purpose. Yeah. This guy's elbow is resting on us easily. Mm. Oh, sounds like Adam. Yeah, so, great. Yeah, exactly. He's like, he's I had an alibi for that day. He's, he's probably your size, actually. He's like 6'4". You're about 6'4", 6'6"? Six, 6'8". Six? Six, You're 6'8". Okay. I'm freakishly tall. So he, I, I guess 6'4". So anyways, he, he puts his arms on the counter. Like, so you thought it was nonchalant, but he had his gun out like this. And he threw a bag and he said, pull him in the bag. So I was like, okay. And you're the only one. I'm the only one there. I pull my top drawer. Mm-hmm. I dump all the money in there. Uh-huh. And then... I got, I got a second drawer of just, like, some backup money. Uh-huh. Put it all in there. Okay. And so I grab it, put it in the bag, and I push it to him, and he goes, 
where's the rest of the money at? Then in my, that's when my hands started shaking like crazy. I was like, <laughs> so what I did was go to my third drawer, which is coins. Uh-huh. Rolled coins, because we have a lot of businesses that need rolled coins. Uh-huh. So I started, I started bending down and started stacking up these coins. And to yeah. myself, I was thinking, dude, this guy's how broke is he? How does, why does he need coins? So then he was like, right. no, 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 where's the rest of the money at? He got, he started getting mad. Yeah. So, so that's when I, I was like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, you got all of it. And that's, that's actually what I realized Wendy had left me when I looked over. I was like, maybe I could get some of Wendy's money. Uh-huh. And that's when she was gone. I realized she took it all. She now, is that off. part of like bank protocols is like, just give them, give it to them? Yep. So, because okay. the money's insured. Yeah. Okay. So I gave him all the money. Or so after, so he got mad. So I was like, see, I'm the vault teller also. I had to mention that I'm the vault teller. So all the money that's in the bank, I actually have the code to get in. Oh. But uh-huh. the way this, this bank was set up, it looked like an office. So I just like said, you got it all. So he just grabbed it and walked out. Oh, nice. Then I froze. Like all the training we had for on what to do when you get robbed, mm-hmm. I did what I was supposed to. What I was supposed to do was get him out of the bank as soon as possible. Right. right. So then meanwhile in the back, the two women who were um, on their breaks, Wendy runs back there and goes, I think Hen's getting robbed. So <laughs> the thing was, they, did, they didn't know for sure because yeah. we have cameras back there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it just cycles through all the different cameras. So they're seeing me get robbed. 30 seconds at a time. Oh. So the guy was so big, the, the gun you couldn't see in the camera. Oh. So it, it like he was relaxing on top of the counter with his arms on there. Mm. So then when he finally walked up, Wendy runs up. I was like, I just got robbed. Then Wendy goes, him, lock the doors. So I ran over to lock the door. That's when she went to my drawer and pulled the trigger. There's, there's a little trigger to call the cops, right? Uh-huh. So I locked the doors. The other two women locked the doors in the back. We had two entrances. Uh-huh. Within five minutes, hand to God, FBI was there. Wow. Wow. A- um, this was in Apex, North Carolina. Apex police was already there. So they, they come in. From what I remember was they, they immediately isolated me from everybody. Mm-hmm. They put me in a separate office. The FBI agent, she was like, she gave me a notepad and she said, write down everything that just happened. Everything you were thinking as was happening. So I wrote it down. I just wrote, that's when I just started crying. Yeah. yeah. I just started crying and crying and crying. Um, and then, and I explained why that was important that I wrote that down. This is why internal control saved my life. Okay, let's get to it. Yes. <laughs> so there's a um, there's an acronym we use for internal controls. There's five components of it. It's crime, ironically. Oh, that is ironic. Huh. So the C stands for control environment. R is risk assessment. I is information and communication. Adam. Yep. Monitoring activities and existing control activities, right? Okay. So with the control environment, how did how did the bank put into place policy procedures? To help me to help guide the organization, right? Mm-hmm. So every month we were required to do a training video on what to do if you get robbed. Okay. So oh, so that's an every month thing. Every month. So it's fresh. It's always so, fresh. So I'd seen it about five times because I was yeah. fresh on the job, but I still managed to freeze up. So luckily, Wendy, who's been around for like twenty years, was the one that I remembered. Mm-hmm. Lock the doors, then pull the trigger. I call it pull the trigger. Pull the alarm. Yeah. Right. Right. And the rationale behind that is how fast the cops showed up you don't want that robber seeing the cops running back inside and it'd be a hostage situation right uh, so that was always beating our head with that video over and over again wait till the guy leaves lock the door then pull the alarm wow because he pulled the alarm and he's still there that cop's gonna come in there while he's there yep. and you don't know what's gonna happen right yep. so that that was a the, wow. the, the video trains and so all other tellers there knew, the other tellers knew they locked the back doors already too they didn't before she even told them wow. just, they just they've been trained so much so then on top of that, the control environment they have is the cameras, obviously, right? Sure. So it, it records every angle of the bank, and they use that for prosecuting the, the bank robber. Mm-hmm. But also, 
after the FBI interrogate, interrogate, after they questioned <laughs> me, uh, the bank's corporate security called me, and I was on the phone there for like an hour. So they asked me questions back and forth, what, what happened, everything, right? Because what they're doing is making sure I wasn't a co-conspirator. Oh. Because that happens too. Yeah, When you get your friend come and rob you. Right. In this case, this guy actually had a gun, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the C in, cr- uh, in crime, you know, the control environment. Okay. Then R, risk assessment. So how did the bank assess the risk on when it comes to achieving their objectives? In this case, when you work at a bank, anybody that has a product which is cash is inherently risky, right? Mm-hmm. So in these high-risk areas, you see bulletproof glass. For some reason, well, I know why, because Apex is considered like a suburb of Raleigh. Okay. So it's not a very high-risk area for bank robberies. Right. So a, a lot of New Yorkers who come down who are bank customers would tell us, why don't you guys have the glass there? And it's like, it's just not, not you know, the risk isn't there. Yeah. On top of that, they, you know, all the banks are FDIC insured. Mm-hmm. So during the training, they always tell you, give them all the money in your drawer and get them out of there. Mm-hmm. Because if they'll, they'll, they're called counter jumpers. They'll jump the counter if they think you're lying. <gasps> oh. They'll jump the counter and look through your stuff and then go through everyone else's uh, teller oh. drawer. Right. Apparently, the counter jumpers are the most, they traumatize everybody. So yeah. as long as they stay on that side, okay. But once they jump the counter, it's like it, it messes everybody's heads up. For, that's what they told us later on. Oh. Yeah. So. So I was like, huh, I think I want to work in a bank now that has glass from now on. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. And on top of that, so the, another risk assessment they have is how much cash can you have in your drawer? I'm not going to reveal that because I'm not sure I'm allowed yeah. to. Yeah. But I'm the, I was a cash vault teller, so I actually had more money than any of the tellers. Uh-huh. Because what happened is if they're running short, I'd, I can sell them my cash. Mm-hmm. Okay. But anyways, luckily I'd already, my, I was low because we just got done our first rush with checking, uh, cashing checks. Mm-hmm. So I, I was pretty low. Yeah. But what happens in the train, they tell us if you're, you're above your limit and all that money got stolen, you would get fired. So we're, oh. so we're always like, that's, so that's, that's the other side of it, right? The other side yeah. is they don't care if they lose losing money, but it has to be within what yeah. they're, what's the, what, what they can tolerate. Yeah. Okay. Within, po- I mean, that's a policy. Yeah. If you're not following the policy. So then I was about halfway there. Thank goodness. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that mm-hmm. too, as far as the training goes. Cause yeah. they reminded me afterwards. I was like, okay. So it's kind of like once it happens, then the training actually makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, reading a manual, how to do something. And yeah. once you do it, then you read it again. It's like, oh, now it makes sense. Yep. So that's how it was. That was the R, risk assessment and crime. And then the I is for information and communication. So how does management communicate to internal and external auditors, other users, on what they expect from them, right? So how to, how to make sure that we acknowledge that we actually got the communication. Mm-hmm. So back then, we did communication through fax machines. Oh, okay. boy. <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> so I remember also after every training, we had to sign an affidavit that we did the training, mm-hmm. and that was actually us. And we had faxed it into corporate security. And I think corporate security also went through all my stuff and see what I, kind of training I got done too. Mm. But after I got robbed, they did a blast fax to all the other branches. We have to go thirty-two in the region about what just happened. Right. The crazy thing was, I got about not even kidding, maybe fifteen phone calls from other coworkers mm-hmm. who'd all been robbed before. Oh wow. Oh. So they've worked at other branches and different right. companies yeah. before, but they said, you know, in the past they got robbed. And then my, my, my manager told me she got robbed too, and the guy had actually jumped the counter. Oh, no. And he actually had the gun pointed at her head the whole time. She just said she didn't know until after she watched a video that the gun was pointing at her head. Oh, my wow. goodness. But that's just the information communication because I think once I found out other folks had gone through the same thing, I actually felt so much better. Yeah. Yeah, it was very comforting. Like, it, it sounds bad, but it's comforting to me. It's like, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. yeah. And they're all like, yeah, just, just – all the protocols and then they're going to do they tell me like the next steps and then the FBI and all stuff they're telling me what's going to happen next so I was like okay good because the training video doesn't tell you what happens is you, once you yeah. guys get robbed the, the aftermath yeah mm-hmm. 
you know, my case was I went home and drank three beers and fell asleep at like, <laughs> at like 8 p.m. You should ha- you should add that <laughs> on to the training videos. Right. <laughs> so then I got the M for uh, in crime. It's called monitoring activities. So then how does the management oversee functioning of the entire organization? How do they identify when things aren't working correctly or how do they correct those deficiencies, right? So every time one of our tellers will receive um, a deposit that exceeded their cash limit, the deposit we have is called buy-sell. They'd sell their cash to me or I'd buy their cash from them, right? Uh-huh. Okay. And then I'd, then I'd sell it back to the vault. So the vault was like a separate teller. So everything was computerized. So even on top of that, if their money got deposited and exceeded and they didn't sell it to me right away, mm-hmm. I got a notification on my computer saying, this teller so-and-so is this amount of money over their their limit. Yeah. So that was one of their monitoring activities. And that, I think, also yeah. helped me keep my job. Yeah, because you could have easily gone over if you hadn't had that. And what's funny about that, too, was because um, it was a Friday, we actually had Saturday banking hours. I went to work the next day. Really? I was, I was 22 years old. I didn't know any better. And what's funny was all our customers only came through drive through and they are like, are you guys okay? And all they saw was police tape on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> wow, so they just moved on really quickly from, from the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, but, it, it, I guess it happens enough in the banking industry that you, you have to. Now that I think about it, like mental health-wise, mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have gone back to work. Well, yeah. You're basically... I don't know if you're repressing what happened, but you're, that's just, you're not getting enough time to kind of process it. And it's funny you mentioned that repressing. I'll, I'll bring that up also, repressing that. So um, E for crime, existing control activities. So what are the controls that you currently have in place? Where are they in place? Were they operating effectively over a period of time, right? So were you guys able to identify the existing controls during the robbery? The most basic one is policy and procedures. Yeah. Right. right. That was our training that reinforced all the procedures. Uh-huh. So that's putting words into action. The thoughts I had was like, what would have happened to me if I hadn't had that training? Because I froze. Yeah. So I needed my coworkers to be on the same, on the same page as me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, Wendy picked up my slack. And then another existing control that was with the FBI's, right? So why did the FBI isolate me? And why did they ask me to write down my thoughts? What, what, what happened? What was going through my mind? Yeah. It was part of their procedures. So a year later, I got a phone call from the, one of the FBI agents there. Uh-huh. And she's like, I need you to come down to the federal court um, to look at some stuff we got for you. So I go down to downtown Raleigh at a federal court. I've never been to a federal court before. Yeah. They showed me my handwritten note. Yeah. What I thought what, had happened. Yeah. Half of it I didn't even remember. Really? Completely blank. I was like, holy cow, that happened. I, I, now I, I, I totally repressed it. Yeah. Like half the details. Was, I was like, wow, I don't remember writing some of this stuff. There was a lot of, a, a lot of profanity in there when I wrote it because I was upset. And right. Whatever. Yeah. A lot of emotion. But just some of the stuff that happened, I was like, I've forgotten that happened. Wow. So ever since then, I think about like eyewitnesses and stuff uh-huh. like that. So, so their their first instinct was he's not like say this goes to court or whatever, or we need this for a, if we ask him about this later, he's not going to remember half of this stuff. So they know to get it right then and there, so they can have the most recent. Yeah, and on top of that was um, I didn't even talk about the bait money. The bait money was also I remember see now that I remember reading back to my notes, mm-hmm. I wrote down what I did with the bait money. So bait money is stack of twenties or hundreds or whatever the bank decides to have. Mm-hmm. I have all those serial numbers written down in a separate folder. Mm. And that folder is kept, you know, locked up. So then when they catch the guy with money, if he has those those bills on him, mm-hmm. that's the that's the basically he was at my branch that robbed me. Yeah. So wow. that that was part of it. That's why um that was one of the things I forgotten I did. It's like, oh I forgot about the bait money. Wow. That bait money's in a special spot and it's clipped, so you actually got the yank on it. Mm-hmm. So the aftermath, I wanna say it was that Saturday night. So after did my Saturday shift. They had a, a EAP person come in. Mm-hmm. It was me and all the tellers, and 
he was talking to us, and he goes, oh, okay, this wasn't a counter jumper. So he bought, like, he had a smaller notebook out. He goes, okay, the, the, the counter jumpers is when everyone has big problems. It was just you that got robbed. So, <laughs> so It was just a gunpoint robbery. So she kind of went around and then asking people, you know, what were you thinking and stuff. And the, the thing was, every single one of them said they felt horrible because they all go, I'm so glad it was him that got robbed and not me. Oh, <laughs> oh man. My man. It, isn't that survivor's guilt, though, and yeah. you feel guilty because it wasn't it was, you? Yeah. My, my they were glad. So, even my yeah. manager was like, I'm so glad you. I'm so glad it was you, Hen, because I think these ladies here, they would have they not came back to work. I was like, I probably yeah. should have gone back to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, you were talking about how the training, they don't tell you about the aftermath. I was wondering, like, don't they have, like, yeah, like, call this number for all the people, like, a hotline for all these people who've been robbed at gunpoint before. Like, it's surely, like, you know, you're, you had 15 coworkers who went through it, and you said you felt comfort and knowing they went through it, too. Yeah. Surely, like just being validated and like what was going through your head or like how you reacted or all of that was probably valuable. And you would never think it would happen to you. Yeah. But this was a summer. I could, I try to find some articles. This guy was robbing like six, seven banks that, that summer. Oh, yeah. wow. Like all in the Raleigh area? Just yeah, in North Carolina, really. Okay. So, but when I got called to the FBI office, they, they had a picture of a car mm-hmm. and his like gloves and his fake wig and hat. I was yeah. like, that's 100% his stuff. Yeah. So there's like, okay, and the, my written statement, they go, do you still stand by? Like, yes. So I had to sign an affidavit and all that stuff saying, you know, like sworn yeah. testimony about that. That's what, that's what happened in my opinion. But, but the reason I talk about the aftermath is it's kind of what the whole mental health awareness was last month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like people should reach out to EAP, if, even if they're embarrassed. It's, mm-hmm. it's confidential. And I think going through that with the, with the bank, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have any nightmares about what happened to me. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, I did. I think we got, we got talked it out, and just any kind of fear stuff I had, it was people could relate to me or they shared. They're, they're being honest with me, so I really appreciated that. So that's just kind of how I wanted to close it with. I said internal control saved my life, mm-hmm. but just what they had to say. I, I gave it all credit to my coworkers too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just a kid, mm-hmm. twenty two years old. I should. Yeah. And then they're all happy I was the one that got robbed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had more to live, live for, right? Right. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> Did they catch the guy? I think so, because that's why they called me in. It's a year later. Okay. But I think by then he probably already spent the money, so I don't even know the bait money was even relevant anymore. Mm. But it could have been, yeah. It's just one of many internal controls, I guess, that, that could have helped out. And the reason why he robs so many banks is because you really don't get that much money when you rob a bank. Oh. Not as much as you think. Really? Yeah. Because it's all just in that drawer because you keep such little in the drawer? When, you know, when you pull in the way of the bag, it's a bunch of ones and fives and yeah. Yeah. stuff that local – businesses need yeah yep. and then when the, the big deposits come in we we immediately put in the vault so so how long did you work there after this all went down three four years total so that was my first six months in did were you scared ever that that was going to happen again or did you ever like get a red flag and and no i think i was just too young and stupid maybe <laughs> maybe, and see, maybe that's a good thing maybe it takes young and stupid people to do the job and the the trained and veterans to be there to make sure everything goes smoothly and it was definitely my, one of my favorite jobs, though. I loved being a bank teller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because you know all the businesses around. Oh yeah, Pat. And you get all kinds of hookups. Yeah. Um, especially like car service. I don't, I don't get discounts, but I, just, I know they're not ripping me off. Yeah. So that's the main thing for me. Just don't rip me off. God, that would be nice. Yeah, we don't get to do stuff like that in government. We don't get to, like, have yeah. benefits like that. Well, it'd be nice to have someone say, "This is what it cost." Because yeah. I'm not trying to get a discount, but yeah. do I need it? Yeah. 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 This week's episode is brought to you by Bank of America. Bank of America, <laughs> are you young and stupid? We want you to come work for us. <laughs> I love that. Did I mention it was Bank of America? 
No, you didn't. No. Was it really? Was it? Uh, oh, wow. I just picked that one out of thin air. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you looked at my LinkedIn, you'll, you'll see I used to work there. So. so what would you say to all bank tellers out there? Watch the training videos? Yeah, pay attention to it. But also, I think that might be a dying breed. I think a lot of branches are closing. Oh, yeah. 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 So right. your advice to bank tellers is to don't do, don't be a bank teller. 